welcome to Conversations About Life. All right, we're recording. Oh, great. Great. Thanks, Jason, for getting together with me, being a guest on our podcast. Yeah, yeah no, thanks for having me. I've enjoyed uh, chatting with you now and then as you live just a couple of doors up. Sure. Mm-hmm. And we've talked a little bit and have some things in common, so that's kind of neat. Yeah. Well, you are a great listener, so um, I'm oh. sure you're, you're made for this platform here where you get to interview people. Well, thanks. So are you interesting? I mean, are you interested in um, podcasting? You're speaking of audio equipment and stuff like that. Yeah. So uh, for about a four or five years now, friends have told me from different walks too have told me that I should get into podcasts. Uh, hmm. I'm incredibly opinionated, so maybe that's part of it. I I don't really ever shut up either. So okay, it's maybe a good combination of things. Although if I'm interviewing people, I probably could let them talk a little bit more. So, um, what would your topic be? Um, well, so I long thought about having a show called, uh, so my last name's Phelan, mm-hmm. uh, Jason Phelan, uh, with PH. Um, I've long thought about calling my show Fact or Phelan. Okay. Um, <laughs> yeah, using my name in, in, as a replacement so, for fiction, because, uh-huh. uh, I don't know if what I'm saying is true or not true. I'm... I think we one time when we were talking, I've, I told you that I've gotten to a place where uh, I'm not certain about anything. In my 20s, I was absolutely certain about everything, politics, religion. And now it's it's gotten to a place where I'm far less certain about anything. Uh, but I'm more comfortable than I've ever been and just being myself and not being so certain. So uh, I would imagine most of my topics would just range from weird conspiratorial things to... Um, my angle on various topics, which is probably uh, far in one direction, whether it left, right, sideways. Yeah, I think certainty is just something, um, you know, we just can't have. Um, like I think of it as we're creatures, from, you know, that's my worldview or viewpoint. Sure. And from that standpoint you know we're just kind of we're just kind of blocked in it's not like we can have all encompassing knowledge just like my cat can't understand uh, my world but my cat can understand everything she needs in order to be a good cat um, I can't understand everything about the all the d- dimensions of the universe and but I can understand you know, hopefully what I need in order to be a good human being, you know, what I am. You know, right, so. right. You're not likely to teach a goldfish to climb a tree. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. Um, yeah, which is uh, how I think the the, big, the bigger topics, the um, the God question and all of those other things, I, I think the reason those are so interesting is because um, we, we have such a finite understanding of things that we can't co- possibly comprehend the, the magnitude of, of topics that large. So uh, we're always quarreling over little corners of little pieces of it. Mm-hmm. But it, it's hard to, for any one person, I think, to grab it all. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And even 
like I'm into the Bible, I kind of think of it as like a really practical type of book. What we need, what I need, not something to give me all knowledge, but like what do I need in order to relate to God and so sure. forth. You know? Sure. So you, you do believe that some of it's allegorical or uh, you, are you word for word? No, I, uh, literalist. I try to consider um, what was the author trying to say. Uh, so, of course, some of it's allegorical and some of it's, um, you know, it's got all kinds of different genres in it. Just like, well, it's, it's a library of writings. Sure, yeah. And um, just like if our library, you're going to have some things that's poetic, you're going to have wisdom literature that's just little nuggets of and Psalms and, yeah. Right. And then you're going to have um, some narratives which are giving an account of something and and then letters that when they were written, probably um, there wasn't any knowledge that this would someday be a part of Scripture, you know, perhaps. Um, right. But So you got, so it's just like, well, what was the author trying uh, to say and in what way and how did the first recipients receive it? You know, what were they understanding it to be? Um, we have to start there because if we go straight, jump straight to us, you know, it wasn't written to us. It was written to somebody back then. And though it's for us, it's not written directly to us. So right. I yeah. Think of it point. In, in that route. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree. Uh, I, I came in contact with a guy a few years ago who talked a lot about rightly dividing the word mm-hmm. and separating, um, God's teachings from ancient laws of people in that area over the, uh, back then. So, um, of course, you could obviously study that your entire life and, and never get the entire, uh, a full understanding because of, of the way it's written. But, um, yeah, 100%. I, uh, I agree um, that it is a good guide. Um to making the right decisions. And I, I hate saying the right decisions, but it, uh, as time passes, it becomes increasingly more obvious to me that there is a right way to do things and a wrong way to do things. And obviously, I, I don't know how much of that's my own personal, um, like how much of that I'm putting into it and how much of that's uh, universal. Uh, but I do, I do believe that there are the wrong and right way to do things. Which is a different, it's different uh, coming from my background, uh, being dogmatic atheist for like 10 years, uh, not seeing purpose in anything. So I think that's just built into us, right and wrong. That's just something so fundamental, not that we can see it in us, you know, if we cut us open or something, but it's just like, we just know it. There is such a thing as right and wrong. Right. Like, um, for instance, if you're if you're uh, at a gas station and someone who looks like they need some help can't get to the door or they seem disabled or something, there's just an innate um, feeling inside of us to to help someone. Mm-hmm. Um, that said, the other side of the coin, obviously, there's we could probably point to many different examples of the wrong thoughts and the wrong decisions that come up in our minds, but. Um, yeah, no, I, I definitely feel that. I definitely feel that there are the wrong way to do things. 
I'm just trying to avoid those. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, um, what? Uh, so you were an atheist. Yep. And then what? Um, so what do you consider yourself now? Um, the thing that I, I, I used to think was the most cowardly. Uh, I gr- so I grew up, my family's uh, Catholic. Okay. And then when I was about sixth grade, I got invited to come to a Baptist church. And um, I'm sure you understand the difference between Catholicism and, and the Baptist church. Uh, it was a lot different for a um, 12-year-old kid. So mm-hmm. um, I felt like I was accepted there in a way that I wasn't at... at I hadn't even gone through my communion. Um, so I kept asking to go back to the church. Started with just Wednesdays. And then by the time I was in 10th grade, I wasn't, I wasn't even attending the uh, Catholic church anymore. And I was coming about six times a week to the Baptist church. Uh, and then I accepted Jesus and I, and I, I was uh, baptized. Uh, it wasn't long after I was baptized that everything felt different. Um, and by that I meant... Um, before I, I had been baptized, I, I thought that the church, there was an older couple who kind of sponsored me. They would pick me up. I would have a lot of, I, I had a lot of help. Mm-hmm. Um, it seemed like there was all doors of possibility were open for me, uh, before I had accepted Jesus. And then after I did, I guess I had not realized that it was, uh, now my goal to go out and, uh, speak the word and bring people back to the church. Um, and so, it, and that kind of changed like right away. And when it did, uh, at the same time that this was all happening, I was, I was, you know, a hormonal teenager going through high school. Mm-hmm. Um, I had, I had made a couple of bad decisions at school, um, class clown type stuff. And, uh, the cool kids at school had accepted me in a way that they hadn't before. And it was like, this feels different. Even though I'm making the wrong decisions, the wrong decisions get me the kind of attention that I, I, I wanted to have before. Mm-hmm. And, uh, without going down a, a, a completely different direction here, my mom, um, was a drug addict. And so, uh, she was battling a cocaine addiction and, uh, while I was in high school. And, um, there was a few times where I felt like, she was going to die and I had, I had become, um, angry at God about it. Um, I, it was more than just teenage angst. It was, I was depressed. Um, anyway, so I had a lot of questions and I think I was searching for questions. Like I, I wasn't they, I wasn't just waiting till they came to me. I was like trying to build an argument against God. And uh, I started to present these questions to the, the youth minister, a uh, great guy named Doug Dunlop. Um, he, he was a very busy guy, for one, but he, didn't al- he also didn't have all the answers mm-hmm. that I was looking for. This church I went to was, was a pretty big church. Uh, There's probably about 10,000 members. I mean, it was... That's a big church. It was a big, big church. Um, the youth group was massive. We had to divide it up. It was so big. And um, anyway, so since I was at the church all the time, on Sundays I would get dropped off before Sunday school and then go to Sunday school on the service. And then there was hours throughout the day until choir at night. Um, and so since I had this 
four or five hour chunk of time, I would help with, you know, moving chairs and, and that kind of, just anything that they needed. Mm-hmm. Well, this was also some free time for Brother Bob, who was the, the pastor there. And a uh, great big guy, played college football. I mean, I remember the first time ever shaking his hand, he, like you couldn't see my hand anymore. He completely enveloped it. Um, but as big as he was, he was very soft, very kind, uh, engaging. Anyway, he agreed to meet with me for uh, an hour um, on Sundays, week after week after week, to answer any questions I had. And he gave me a better way to... to go through the Bible instead of just reading from Genesis to Revelation. Mm-hmm. He kind of gave me a, a a route that he thought would be more insightful to me. So uh, I began the reading again and asking him silly questions like, why doesn't it talk about dinosaurs in the Bible? And uh, how long is eternity? Uh, that one baffled me forever. Um, Anyway, he did his best. Sometimes he didn't have answers right away, and sometimes he would wait till the next week to give me the answers so that he could... I mean, he was really trying to think of the right answers for me, and I appreciate him doing that. Uh, I remember the question, though, that broke me. Um, he he asked me... Uh, or we were talking about faith, and uh, I was having a lot of trouble with my faith because of this, this new crowd at school that had accepted me. And... Uh, I asked him, actually, um, if his faith ever wavered. I think the question I asked him was, do you ever wake up and look in the mirror and think to myself, am I a fool for dedicating my entire life to this when I could be wrong? He took a long time with it. Uh, It was probably only a minute before he answered, but a minute when you've asked a question and it's right there, it seems like forever. Uh, and finally, he answered, yes. Sometimes I I think there are other things I could do with my life, and um, some days my faith is stronger than others. And I don't know why. It's almost like he released me. I had been beating myself up for having those feelings for a long time. Uh, again, not long in the adult sense but in the teenage sense Mm -hmm. sitting with a question for too long just drives you nuts Uh, I haven't met a teenager that's not impatient and I didn't go back to the church again Um, when I left I mean we finished that day and uh, I agreed to read and I don't even remember what came up that next week why that next it just started to grow where I was just like week after week after week I hadn't attended anything Mm-hmm. And then it got so far gone that I felt like I wasn't part of the church anymore, you know? Mm-hmm. And uh, not only did I not do the thing that I was supposed to do, which was to go out and bring new members to the church, or at least that's what I thought my I was supposed to do. I wasn't even reading anymore. I wasn't even mm-hmm. praying anymore. And uh, so because I stopped going to the church, the more I just started digging into the... self-serving lifestyle. I just uh, made bad choices. Uh, And some of those were felt rewarding, uh, at least at the time. Um, By the time I was 18 and out of school, I had made bolder claims 
about God. I even said it out loud that I didn't believe anymore. And I remember the first time that I said it out loud, I kind of looked around to see if anything was going to happen. Mm-hmm. And it didn't, of course. Um, and then, if I had to be honest, I don't... It happened slowly over time. But I became enamored with intellect and I put science above everything. Um, it's what I was using to, to destroy these arguments for God. Um, in college, I, I took every philosophy course I could take. Uh, I remember taking a philosophy of religion course where I sold my soul to the rest of the class. They all bid on it. Uh, I got $75 for it. I was the only person in class that was like willing to say that they were atheists. There were a few people on the fence, and then most of the people that t- had taken the class were uh, going through theology school. I mean, they were a lot of them were going to become pastors. That, that was their goal. So, um, as the weeks passed in the class, you could kind of see the groups of people that were studying together, and I was all alone on my island, where I would very brashly argue the other side. Um, without really any concern for whether or not I was offending anybody. Um, again, it was that, it was that, it was angst, but it was more than that. It was, it, it was coupled with that same young, youthful, rebellious thing, but uh, I think it was deeper. Like, I was, I was super angry uh, just with my predicament and, and the, the hand I'd been dealt and... Um, I love the reaction on people's faces when I would say things. Uh, that maybe they hadn't heard before. Um, I don't want to repeat them now because I just... <laughs> uh, I feel bad for saying them the first time now. Uh, but I basically... I, I believed that uh, there was no purpose to this. We were, lived in a purposeless existence. Um, uh I believed wholeheartedly in the Big Bang and that the universe was 13.4 billion years old and that everything science taught me was eventually, you know, the scientific endeavor is to explain all things in the physical world. And I thought that they were going to find out that God does not occupy anything in the physical world. And when they did, it would completely um, destroy the need for God. Uh for anyone. So, um, so the more I trusted science, the more I, I studied cosmology, which is crazy. Now I, I don't care about space at all. Like I couldn't, I couldn't even be bothered to watch a, a, one of those Nova programs. I mean, I used to watch all of them. Mm-hmm. Um, I even got as far as was absolutely certain aliens were real because, like, how could there not be with as many stars as there are and as many planets as there are? I was absolutely certain of that, even though there was no proof. But I couldn't buy into the God thing, even though there were all kinds of proofs uh, that I was ignoring because they were, they were experiences that I didn't have, but they were experiences somebody else had. And, and they had to be, you know, that fallible. And... uh Anyway, so, um, yeah, I just, I got to a place where, um, I was as devout as anyone I'd ever met in religion. 
just in believing that I was worm food, that there was no purpose to my life or your life or anyone's life, and that this was just a big cosmic joke and it could end as quickly as it came and that uh, there was no design to any of it. Although, obviously, if you follow science far enough, they get to that same place, right? Where it's like, wait, looks like there's some design here. Uh, again, though, I, I've gotten now to a place where I, I don't really, um, I'm not as concerned with trying to match science with, like to see how they inter, intertwine science and religion or anything like that. Um, if God's real, then he exists uh, in the metaphysical and the scientific scientific endeavor will inevitably fail because they can only explain things within the physical world. And um, that if, I guess what I, I've, I've just got to the place where I'm open to the idea of the metaphysical component because uh, at 38, um, I spent all of my 20s trying to for lack of a better word, master the mental part of myself. And then uh, in my late 20s, I started to get <laughs> upset with how I'd let myself go physically. So then I, uh, as you and I have talked about, uh, I started jujitsu and running marathons and and trying to master myself physically uh, through diet and sleep. I didn't, one thing that I didn't realize was sleep. I thought that, ah, oh, I'll sleep when I'm dead. I need this time to work on me, to... to um, be more productive. What I didn't realize was that uh, sleep is a essential component, and if you do not get enough sleep, you're not operating mm-hmm. the the way you should, and uh, you'll never master the physical if you don't take time to rest. Uh, anyway, so uh, we had Cohen, my uh, my son, mm-hmm. uh, when I was 28. I remember I studied. Like I do everything. Uh, whenever I whenever I reach a problem, I, I study. Uh, if I get anxious, I study. If I if I worry about anything, I I, I just want to know everything. And if I, I guess I've always told myself if I know all the angles, then I'm going to be put to ease. Like this is going to make me feel better. So naturally, having found out we were pregnant, uh, I was terrified. Uh, I didn't have a dad. I don't even. Hmm. I didn't. I was piecing together what a dad was supposed to be from my pastors and from my teachers and from my mm-hmm. coaches, mm-hmm. television, movies, mm-hmm. books. Um, I'd find little things. I'd jot it down. Like, ah, oh, that's the kind of dad I want to be. Uh, hmm. And um, so when we found out we were pregnant, uh, you know, you can take all those tests to find out if they're going to have Down syndrome. It's not going to... It's not going to prevent them from having Down syndrome, but mm-hmm. you can pay $600 to find out if they're going to so you can be like six months prepared, mm-hmm. right? I paid for all of them. I paid for everything. I paid for every class. Uh, matter of fact, we were taking so many classes. Miller was like, do we have to go to another class? And this is my wife who's having her first child, and she's like, I do, we're prepared. Mm-hmm. And um, the last, uh, so I think it was, was the second class we took. It was an all-day class for, on Saturdays for new mothers and fathers, Um there were a couple fathers in there that that weren't new, but it was the first time they'd taken any classes or mm-hmm. any. Uh, so it was the first time for them, but not the you know the mothers or whatever. I actually think there was one one woman there that was there with her mom. 
Uh, but there were uh, maybe f- 15 to 20 other couples in there. Every time the lady would ask a question, I'd raise my hand. I'd have the answer. Set right in the front row like I always do. Just ready to go. Notes, pens, pay- everything's ready. And uh, afterward, of course, I had to go talk to her. Even though we'd taken the whole class, my wife's like, like ready to eat. You know, don't mess with a pregnant lady that's ready to eat. And uh, I was like, I just have a couple more questions. So I go over there, and the lady said, "Stop! You are the most prepared father I've ever seen. Like you're gonna be fine. Like some things that you just can't prepare for. Like it's when it comes, it comes." So I, I don't tell you this to impress you. I just to impress upon you that that. I understood all the science behind it. Um, really good grasp of what was happening week over week. And the moment I saw him, it was still a miracle. Like there was still this other piece to it that the science didn't explain. I loved him from the moment I saw him. Hmm. It's weird to say that I, I didn't love him before. I just, I remember even thinking the week of, if there's any complications, we can let the baby go. I gotta save my wife. Do you know what I mean? I, like I, I, it was just the baby mm-hmm. at that point until the moment I saw him. And then love at first sight's real, I can tell you, hmm. without a doubt. Um, I was just flooded with all of these emotions. Like, oh, I couldn't believe they were going to let us take him home from the hospital. Like, this is mine. I, like, these people don't know me. I'm not capable of raising a child. Hmm. Um, anyways... I think that was probably the, the birth of, of my children was probably the greatest catalyst to opening my mind to the idea that there's probably something greater than me in the universe. Uh, and I think that uh, before I said that it was, I'm now the thing that I thought was most cowardly, which is agnostic. Um, it's just because I can't say for certain I'm not 100% about anything. I'm just in this, like, state of wonder now about it all. Um, I try not to reject any information, um, not, at least not immediately. Mm-hmm. I try to take it in and make, you know, see if the pieces fit. And um, I'm excited in a way that I wasn't before. You know, most of the men I, I know they figure out what they want to figure out about the world around 25 to 30, somewhere in there. And they've made up their mind about politics and religion and diet, like just everything that they're going to be and everything. They just, from that moment on, just defend these views that they've decided upon. And, and then they defend it the rest of their life. And they don't really ever go back to the drawing board and, and to, to think it over. And, uh, I just don't want to be in that place because I was so certain at 25 and I realize now that that kid didn't know anything. Mm-hmm. I would best him at everything. Like everything. Except for maybe speed. He probably a little bit faster than I am. But other than that, uh, and he was so certain. And, it, and I got nothing out of it. To me, and I don't know if this is the same for everybody, but uh, atheism for me was, was a dead end road. It was a long road. I went down it for a long way. And then when I got to the end, I saw it was a cul-de-sac and I built a house and 
I stood on my soapbox in the front yard and I screamed every expletive I could. And I tried to steer so many people down that road um, with regret now. Uh, who am I to offer up any esoteric wisdom? <laughs> I knew nothing. Um, I still know nothing. And um, yeah, so that's how we've gotten here. Now I'm in this place where I'm not sure about anything, but I, I like not knowing. Uh, I don't feel like agnosticism is cowardly. I feel like it's honest. Mm-hmm. I just don't know. Yeah. And I guess, I guess it depends on what you mean by no. Like, I guess in a certain sense, you could almost say like everyone's agnostic in the sense that um, we don't, we're limited to just being us. We don't have all knowledge. We can't really be certain. But um, I guess the difference would be like uh, confidence and like, uh, am I going to, you know, choose to live my life as if there's a God and it's like, that's the road I'm going or so forth. So I guess that would be the difference between a, a theist and an agnostic, I suppose, because it's not so much having certainty. I guess from, like you were, you talked about um, receiving Jesus. So, um, like, what was that like, or what do you mean by that, or what was that experience like? I was, I, was, I think I was 15 when, when that happened. And um, if I'm honest, everybody else was doing it. Um, I thought I was there. I, th- I thought I was... Uh, connecting with with the word and I and I thought that I was um, we did this overnight at church um, and when we did we uh, we went into the the youth room that that I, that I usually was was in and we turned all the lights off and we all had candles and we would use only one candle would be lit and that candle would be for someone to talk and then you would use your candle to light somebody else's candle and then a second candle was lit now two candles are lit and you'd see whose candle wasn't lit. Hmm. And so it was an affirmation celebration. We were just affirming someone else, telling him, giving a story about, a testimonial about how great this person was or how they helped us along on our path. And um, I, don't, I don't remember getting a ton of compliments growing up uh i was i think i dove so hard into the church because i didn't want to be at home at all uh just with the with the drug abuse and the 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 boyfriends my mom tons of boyfriends Mm -hmm. um and um that was the night that i remember feeling what I thought was filled with the spirit. I just felt overwhelmed by the love of these people. Hmm. And, um, Mm -hmm. I think that more than anything, I think that this, that that was the goal. That's what they had been working on. They needed me to be saved. And I wanted to give that to them. And, uh, so I think that's probably what pushed it more than anything else. Mm -hmm. Um, I thought that if I just committed eventually I would get there. Like, eventually I was going to feel it, mm-hmm. and it was going to be real. Um, 
But I think some people go into marriages with that same thought, like, I should love this person, and I'm sure I'm going to at some point. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Although, uh, you know as well as I do, marriage is not the easiest thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, probably not the best way to go into it. You should be maybe a little more certain. Mm-hmm. But I'm sure relationships have worked with that same premise, so who knows. But yeah, I, uh, as far as did I feel that thing? No, I I don't... I think the closest I've felt to God uh, has been in my 30s through meditation. Mm-hmm. Um, I was doing it wrong for the longest time. I maybe still be doing it wrong. Um, but I've had results. And something's spoken to me and told me what the right way is. Um, and I don't know if it was just me tuning out the rest of the world long enough to hear the voice from within or if it's I don't know where it comes from but I'm I'm pleased with the results um, that I've found from from following that thing that's guiding me whatever that is so I would imagine some people would call that God uh, I think the reason I have a hard time calling it God is because I know that God elicits all these like prescribed responses. Like it, when I say God, I know that when I say God, it does not mean the same thing to me that it does to you or to my wife or to my son mm-hmm. or to anyone because it, uh, it's a bit of a construct. It's not the same as Santa Claus. When I say Santa Claus, we all have... Mm-hmm. Coca-Cola gave us a pretty good picture of what mm-hmm. Santa Claus is supposed to look like. Um, and I know we've all seen pictures of Jesus, but that doesn't mean... I think we all agree that it's probably not what Jesus looked like. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I think that's why I have a hard time committing to the word God, even though maybe I'm speaking about the same thing, the universe or some guiding force. We could get way into this if we need to, but basically I think that there's two governing... I believe we live in a duality. Um, you cannot have up without down. You cannot have left without right. Light without dark. Good and evil, if you want to call it that, positive and negative. I just believe that this version of reality is a duality. And uh, because of that... Um, I think that there are two governing principles. I think there are love and then the opposite of love, which I think most people would assume is, is hate. I believe it to be fear because I think that all hate is rooted in fear. To me, those have been the, the polar ends of, uh, my emotional spectrum. Anyways, if to me, love, pure love is without judgment. It doesn't, it doesn't have any, what we would consider negative connotations to it. Love is accept, fully accepting of all situations, people, places, your, your predicament. Uh, I think fear is that uh, the opposite of that, though. Fear is the... It's the root of the negative, negativity in the world, to me. If you, if you were to boil down all problems, they would, they would be rooted in fear. Uh, I could be wrong, but that's kind of how I see things. 
I did, probably didn't ask the question. I don't even know what the question was now at this point. Yeah. Well, that's okay. No, you did kind of um, about what it, what you meant by being accepting Jesus. You know. Mm, yeah. So I'll tell you kind of my my story of yeah, please. Of that. So I grew up in a religious home. You know, we were going to church all the time. My dad was a deacon. And uh, did I tell you this already? I don't think so. Okay. Well, I, but I heard preaching and I heard about, well, there's a hell. And I didn't want to go there. I heard sure. people talking about being saved, you know, so to speak. And you probably heard that too. And um, I thought, that's what I want. So I was just a young kid, around nine. And uh, I thought, well, what do I need to do? So there was like at the end of the service... I guess you'd call it an altar call. I don't know. Maybe you had I do that know. Yeah. Okay. So I thought, well, that's what I need to do. I need to just walk down there, and and that was I was a shy little, you know, guy. So that was like really hard. To, and I thought, well, it made sense because that was really hard to do. So that's probably what you have to do, you know. <laughs> but um, anyway, I did, and uh, it was even an emotional experience for me for some reason. I'm not sure. Just maybe because it was so hard. I'm not sure. Music playing and all. But they just gave me a thing to fill out. I became a member of the church, and I realized whatever was supposed to happen didn't happen. And uh, I, th- I thought, well, they're going to baptize me in a couple of weeks. Maybe something will happen then, you know. Right. But, you know, nothing. So I talked to my mom about it, and she gave me um, some of those little booklets, like tracks, and they have Bible verses and then a prayer at the end. So I would um, read through those, but then I would try to pray that prayer. And... Um, I thought if I just prayed it, had enough faith, I was just trying to really believe enough. I thought, you know, if I just did it right, shazam, something would happen. And uh, it was a frustrating time. And and eventually, you know, I just kind of let that go and went on with my life. Um, and then I went throughout my teen years and became a kind of a rebellious uh, kid. And um, I was... Uh, just a pretty un- hateful, unhappy guy. I was uh, hate- really hard to picture that way. <laughs> well, thanks. I was uh, hateful to my siblings. And I get to um, about eighteen, and and I'm just at a low place in life. Where I'm just feeling disgusted with myself. I remember even drawing a picture of how I felt on the inside, and so I I'm just home alone, um, and I. Uh, get down on my knees and just ask God to save me from what I had become. And at that point, and I don't think I was expecting anything, but it was like just a weight was lifted from me, just like guilt lifted from me. Like immediately? Just immediately. Yeah. And I just felt as light as a feather. And I was almost um, like afraid to fall asleep, afraid that um, I'd wake up and be the the old me or something. But but I wasn't. You know, there was just something different. And throughout my growing up years, you know, we memorized scripture for prizes and stuff like that, but it never meant nothing to me. But then all of a sudden, the scripture kind of came alive. I was hungry for that. I was just hungry for the things, religious things, you know, going to church, religious books, music, and and so forth. And um, not all of my habits and didn't change, you know, my friends didn't change um, immediately, but um, there was a definite change there. So that gives me confidence, that experience that the the Bible, you know, there's it mentioned in it things that sound like that, like um, you must be born again. Um, you know, the Apostle Paul is saying uh, we're made a new creature, a creature in Christ. Um, and then speaking about like when 
you hear the good news of your salvation, you're, you receive the Holy Spirit. You know, it's like something happens in, in the heart. Um, and I, I think the difference is that, um, like, there was, you know, I, uh, there was a realization of guilt. You know, I was like, there was something to be saved from, you know. It was like, um, I was um, who I was, and I couldn't change myself, and um, either God had to do it, or, um, that's right, um, or, you know, there, it just wasn't going to happen. And whereas before, it was like, almost like superstition. Like, if I do this and do that, then jazam, you know, and then everything's going to be good for me as far as the afterlife. Well, he's magic, it's, right? It doesn't it just happen right away? Like, I have to put effort into this? Yeah. So, um, it seems like, um, so that's one of the things that gives me confidence. Because if I didn't have that, if I was just weighing things from a purely, you know, like... Um, I don't know, I've exposed myself to so many arguments and debates from, like, the atheistic position, the theistic position, and whatever. And, like, if I was just weighing through philosophical arguments, I would, like, never be certain, I don't think. Or I, I would never have, like, real confidence. I'd always have to think, what, am I, I'm, what if I'm wrong? I'm not that smart. These guys are way smarter than me. Sure. And I see them on every side. Um, so even now, I think there is a way to say I legitimately know not meaning that I have certainty, but that there's it's like a, a relationship, not so much like a relationship with a physical person, but more of um, experiencing something of God. And as I walk along, there's, um, there's just something that comes through the scriptures as I read. You know, there's just... Um, and it's... Um, I could... I could look at all these arguments, but it's almost like I can't unbelieve, you know, like... Sure. And even if I can't explain something um, or understand something that seems to be like an argument against my belief, it's like, well, I I don't know what to say about this right now, but it's almost like, I just, you know, you can't, it's almost like you can't decide what you believe in or don't believe. It, you just, it, it's got to either makes sense or it doesn't make sense or you got you got it or you don't or something along those lines i don't know i agree i agree it, it's hard to find anything that's gonna shift the paradigm right mm-hmm. like uh, we get into these grooves these we develop these channels these pathways to our information mm-hmm. and uh it's hard to to shake them up and who would want to uh it's Sometimes it takes you down a road that's wrong, right? We're talking about the right and wrong. And uh, I I agree. Um, I think that's kind of how I've gotten with the space thing. (coughs) I've realized that uh, I'm not going to leave Earth ever. ever. I will die here. And um, what's happening beyond the sky is not important to me at all. Um, Mostly because... It was a um, it was a source of fear for me. Uh, it made me feel not only did it make me feel small and insignificant, but it also uh, I was constantly uh, terrified of, of all of the outside forces that could disrupt life on Earth. But it, it just seemed so fragile, so I just I just stopped 
thinking about it all together and um I don't miss it at all. Like I don't miss thinking about it at all. Here's something that I've recently was reminded of when it comes to like knowing. I was listening to this person. Her name is Esther Meek, and she wrote a book that I read a long time ago. It was kind of a tough book to grasp, really, but it was on longing to know. And um, her argument, she says, well, she she's just kind of reinterpreting a philosopher, Michael Polony or Polani. That's just and. Um, Basically, he's like we all knowing is something we're all engaged in. Just it's just a part of being human. But just one thing that was interesting is like she said when we're hitting on truth, when these possibilities open up before us, um, and for example, like when you're um, learning to ride a bike, um, it's not so much. Like you're studying the physics of it and the you know the equations and so forth. If you concentrate too much on that, you're you know it's more like a bodily sense, right? And it's like a puzzle that just all comes together, and you don't know what all the parts are. But you know when you're moving forward and you're staying up, it's like you're you're grasping onto truth in some way, and now a world opens up before you that was closed before. Great analogy. And when we um, hit on truth, that is, it's kind of like that. And you were mentioning how atheism kind of closes you in, leads you to a dead end. Whereas um, that might be a, w- a way to kind of um, discern truth might be what does it l- open up to greater possibilities of moving forward and of like a fulfilling life and so forth. Kind of like, I've thought recently, that's kind of like what love does um, as compared to doing something selfish. Like some habits um, might be, um, there, there's something to it or we wouldn't do it. For example, I don't know, you know, abusing alcohol, uh, lust, whatever, you know. But that type of thing, it's a selfish type of thing that cl- closes us in. But the opposite of that, like considering others and it kind of opens up the world to us right you know when we go forward in like an honest way and so it seems like it's hitting on agreed truth. yeah, yeah uh, well mindless self-indulgence at least in my experience mm-hmm. has been um it's a void it's uh it's it's like there's something missing and you keep trying to stuff all of these external things in it mm-hmm. and uh, it's a bottomless pit at least again in my experience Mm-hmm. It didn't matter how much I get, gave it; uh, it wanted more, hmm. and it never made me feel whole. I still felt empty because mm-hmm. it was a void. I was stuffing all of these. It's be, it, in my understanding, it's it's because there's no external thing that's going to fill that thing. The the thing that I needed was inside all the time. I needed to look there instead of looking outward, but. Uh, yeah, no, I, I agree with your say- what, what what you're saying. Uh, I also like that the the analogy with the, the bicycle because it's it's just a feeling. Like you get on, it feels right. You know it's right. You're standing up. Yeah. It balances, and then now you're the guy riding the bike, and now you can go places with this thing. Right. Uh, it's a vehicle now for you, mm-hmm. uh, metaphorically, mm-hmm. and obviously uh, literally. But yeah, no, I. I will use that one. Those um, 
Are you familiar with those seeing eye puzzles that you, you know, you hold it in front of your face and you go like this and then all of a sudden a picture appears? Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> That's kind of like, uh, that was another illustration I've heard before. It's like you have to listen to an authority to guide you who already has experienced it mm. because otherwise you're just looking at a piece of paper with a bunch of jumbled up colors on it and you don't know that it, it, there's something to it. But And you have to have some measure of faith just to go forward. You have to think, well, he he's experiences, he knows what he's talking about, and he says, hold it up close to my eyes, and he's telling me to do this. And, and then when it happens, it's like everything fits together, and it's like you know something, but you don't know exactly, you don't know all the bits and pieces of it, but like you've discovered something, you know. Right, right. And then once you, that's the beautiful thing about uh knowledge to me or information is you don't get to go back yeah uh once you've had the epiphany once you've had that aha moment Mm -hmm. you don't get a return from there now you build from that moment forward because you Mm -hmm. you can't unknow something Mm -hmm. uh it's really powerful that way i think that's what they meant when they said the pen is mightier than the sword Hmm. in the sense that Mm -hmm. i mean obviously they meant the laws as well but i i still think that the nothing stronger than an idea Mm-hmm. Because once the seed's planted, it must grow. It has no choice. It just does. That's what it does. Hmm. It's its purpose. So, well, one thing you know, I was going to mention is you know you're talking about being a father. Yeah, you guys have such a sweet family. You guys, I think you're doing a great job as a oh, father, thanks. just by what I can tell. Um, I really like your togetherness, and you guys do things together, and I can tell there's love and affection for one another. So, doing some things right. Um, oh, thank you. For not having that example, I guess, you know, so I commend you on just that ambition to, um, you know, model after those positive influences you have had and to learn and do whatever you could because that's really... It's trial, it's trial and error. Um, although people tend to say that you can't fake good kids, uh, I got lucky a little <laughs> bit. Um First, my wife is amazing, but um, my kids make it pretty easy. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like to think I'm attentive to their needs. Um, but more than anything, I think I'm just trying to give them the um, information that I didn't have. Hmm. I try to be that source. Like, if they need to know something, mm-hmm. I try to give them as straight an answer as possible. Uh, I don't like to sugarcoat things too much either. Mm-hmm. So, although I do try to protect them from some things um once the cat's out of the bag i just let them have it as far as like what they need to know and what they don't need to know i at least i yeah. feel uh mm-hmm. cohen um came home from a friend's house third grade uh these two twins lived on the street behind us and they had a teenage brother and he came home and he said i know where babies come from hmm. i was like oh great where he said girls poop them out I said, oh, well, you're close. We should talk about this. Yeah. And although I wasn't really ready for the conversation, uh, it was time. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, 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 I just try to approach most situations the same way mm-hmm. um, and then give them the pieces of insight that have helped me, of course, um, like deciding what the right thing to do is. I tend to believe that if you're caught between two decisions, go with the harder one. 
only reason you're even weighing them is the same is because one's probably the right one. Just takes more effort, and you're looking for a shortcut. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I just try to tell them things like that. Also, um, we have lots of little family sayings. Uh, Phalans never quit. Hmm. Although uh, I don't know any other Phalans, so maybe they do. <laughs> uh, but these ones don't. Mm-hmm. Uh, Phalans don't run from our problems. We run toward them. Hmm. Um, so I just, I just keep trying to instill... Who knows? It may all backfire at one point, but right now it's working pretty good. Uh, yeah, I think it's working pretty good. Um, I think that's kind of like an advantage not having, I mean, it's really great to have a good father that sure. you grew up, but that you didn't, it's almost like you don't take fathering for granted. You know, you realize how important it is, and that's helping you. You're using that for your for good. Right, right. I am trying to break the cycle. I come from a long line of people who probably did things the wrong way. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm just conscious of the impact that I have on their lives. And so I'm just trying to... Um, <laughs> actually, the way I put it to Mallory when we were at the hospital before we brought Cohen home, I was like, all right, he's perfect now. We just not can't screw him up too much. Um, which is still kind of how I see it for the most part. I think that kids come out Obviously, there's an exception to every rule, but I think most children are born um, pure, I suppose. And and a lot of it's society, I think, that weighs us down. Of course, the Christian view may be different with uh, being born with into sin and everything else. Uh, just the way I see things. The way I see things is that the... the I just got to minimize the amount of damage <laughs> that I inflict upon them as they grow into adults. Uh, what, um, well, when it comes to those philosophical questions, yeah. like, what is your life all about? How would you answer a question like that? Um, just growth, really. Uh, I don't want to stagnate. I feel like, like I was saying, I, I feel like it's been my, because I've men under the microscope since I was little uh, I I'm sorry I lost the question what was the question what's your life all about and like as far as growth like yeah why like oh you know when you get down to like some kind of ultimate thing do you do you, is there anything for you there or do you, or is it um, I don't know I, in meditation sometimes I get this overwhelming sense that I chose to be here which I don't know if that's just me being kooky or what but uh I try to remind myself of that when things get tough when when life gets challenging right now with the the covid and the job mm-hmm. thing and everything else that's going yeah. on I <clears throat> I try to remind myself that um, to accept this experience and um, whatever tools I need to come out on top, I already have. I'm not going to be dealt any hand that I can't play my way out of. Um, but as far as like uh, like purpose, like driving, I ju- it's just for me. It's just growth. I don't 
um, delude myself that I'm going to become fully enlightened in the Tibetan monk sense of the word. Um, although that probably would be pretty cool. Uh, I don't, I don't, uh, I don't disillusion myself that way. Um, I just, uh, try to maximize my time. Uh, try not to leave. It would be lovely to leave the world a better place than I found it. Um, it seems hard to not have a negative impact on your surroundings. Um, even in just a carbon footprint sense of the word, but even more than that, in a, in a assisting people and making people feel better, uh, service to others type of way. I, I, I want to, I want to, experience love and spread love and, and do those things with life. Um, but I'm not exactly sure all the ways that that can manifest itself. And, um, so I just take each little piece as it comes. Um, this stage of my life is, uh, mostly about parenting, Mm -hmm. um, and Mm co-parenting. And, um, I try not to get myself too caught up in what's going to come down the road so it's really mostly just like how do I maximize this day I mean I think a little ahead a few months maybe not even a year ahead Uh, I mean I have like 10 year goals and 5 year goals that I've written down Um, I think those are important just to keep in my head so Mm -hmm. that I'm I don't waver too far off the path Uh, but mostly I just think what can I get done today Mm -hmm. Um, can I get some miles in um, can I take some load off my wife in any way? Um, does my sister need me? And does my mom need me? Those types of things. So, um, I don't get too wrapped up in my career mm-hmm. or anything like that. I, I don't live to work. I just work to live. Uh, mm-hmm. so I'm not really driven that way. I don't like money very much. Uh, never really have. Uh, I don't require a lot. Uh, I'm making the most money I've ever made in my life right now, but it's just for them. I'm trying to make their life easier, and I feel like if I can make more money, maybe I can spend some more time with them. Mm-hmm. Uh, other than that, I don't really have... Um, I don't have like a... Maybe I should have a clearer picture of what, what I'm doing here on Earth, but <laughs> it's mostly just, just a day-by-day, don't get too uh, caught up in... Uh, myself emotionally and and uh, remember to breathe. Uh, remember to take some time to smell the roses and and uh, I'm big on that stuff though. Like I would never have a uh, car that just sits in the garage that I never drove. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember when my uh, so my mom ended up having to not take care of. She had my sister when I was um, in sixth grade. So I was an only child for about 11, a little over 11 years. And then she had my sister, and then I don't, I cried when she told me she was going to have another baby. And uh, I'm sorry, I'm getting way off subject here, but I'll, I'll wrap it back in there. Um, not because I was, not in a selfish way, I just remember thinking, like, why would you bring another kid into the world? You're doing a terrible job right now. <laughs> like, 
I'm going to end up having to take care of this kid. And that's kind of what happened. Uh, so, um, I think with, um, just with my, with, I have no idea where I was going with that. I, I just, I, I, Yeah, I, I I try to just do the best I can with what I've got, without um, getting overly emotional about the things and accepting just accepting life for for what it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. Okay, I hope that answers your question. <clears throat> yeah, it gives me sounds like a lot of practical wisdom that you got going for you. If it doesn't work in my daily life, it's not important to me at all. Yeah. Like if it if I can't put it into practice, it, I just discard most of it. Uh, if not, it just swims around in there too long. Mm-hmm. I don't know what to do with it. Well, <clears throat> before wrapping up, is there just anything else you want to bring up, or oh. anything else we should um, touch on? No, I mean, I could talk forever, uh, but no, it's good to, good to touch on these things. Um, I would like to tell you that I, I have appreciated your very neighborly. Uh, I see. You have seem to have pretty good relationships with everybody on the street. Maybe that street too. I don't know. I haven't been back there. I haven't seen you back there. But um, I could. I've I've been wanting to dig into. I want to know how you came to the idea of homeschooling, and I want to know how you come to the idea. Like you do so many of the things that I want to get. I want to get to homeschooling. I want to get to uh, gardening and growing my own food and. Mm-hmm. I would consider all those things the right way. And, uh, yeah, maybe for the next time we can talk about how you got to. Sure. You reach those conclusions. And, uh, cause they're not only are they commitments, each one of those commitments themselves, but they also are taxing commitments. They, uh, mm-hmm. You didn't choose to do them because they were the easier thing to do. You chose to do them because you believed them to be the right thing to do. And mm-hmm. uh, usually that means a lot more effort. So, yeah. Well, okay. Well, let's wrap it up for here. And okay. maybe next time perfect. Um, you can be the host and I'll be the guest and you can ask those questions if you want. Fantastic. That will work out great for me, Will. <laughs> All right. All right. Thanks, buddy. Well, thanks. Bye. If you use a podcast app like iTunes, please give a review of Conversations About Life.